This is the Future of Security Operations podcast brought to you by Tynes. This show is dedicated to empowering SecOps leaders to reimagine how their teams work so they can scale their security efforts and build a team that achieves more with less. In each episode, we'll learn from a security leader who has found a way to free their team from tedious manual tasks and remove the barriers that are preventing them from doing high-value strategic work that truly matters. We'll learn from their mistakes, distill their best practices, and leave you with actionable insights that you can immediately put to work with your team. I'm your host, Thomas Kinsler, COO and co-founder of Tynes. Now, let's jump right into today's show. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Future of Security Operations podcast. Today, I'm joined by Madhav Gopal. Madhav is a technologist with nearly 25 years of experience at Big Four Consulting at a Fortune 30 company and has worn different hats in cybersecurity from being an IT auditor to security consultant to leading 24-7 cybersecurity operations in multiple locations around the world. Thanks for chatting with me today, Madhav. Hey, Thomas. Very nice to talk to you as well. Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background and some of the work you do? Absolutely. So, you know, a very common saying is that careers are not like lads, they're like jungle gyms, right? So my career was definitely like this, where I moved in different directions and retooled myself at multiple points in my career. So I actually started in consulting just a couple of years before Y2K, right? And that was the time where I got the chance to work on large enterprises, primarily in the telecom industry. And then about 20 years ago, I started pivoting towards information security and really found that I you know, enjoyed the diverse nature of the projects, right? So one month, I may be helping a department of collections or a prison system, right, you know, uh, help with their security awareness training. And the next month, I might be doing a Linux review at a major university, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these experiences really kind of pulled me towards security. And it led me to Comcast, where I was a leader in the brand new technology audit function. And my focus here was less on technology or less on regulatory aspects like Sarbanes-Oxley or payment card industry but rather more at, you know, how can we protect key business operations and support our customers? I really got interested in the business. And after internal audit, I was able to join a startup within Comcast that was working in the next generation of video products. So I joined as employee number one, but that's really, you know, my function. And that's really scaled to millions of customers. It was a learning process for me as a leader, but also as a technologist, where we had to go cloud native in AWS and we really had to figure out things and this is, you know, several years ago. So from monitoring to mitigation to say, how could we do this? And then my last thing with Comcast is full circle as I kind of led the security operations team and had the opportunity to respond to solar winds, log for shell, and a number of other really interesting challenges. Well, that sounds absolutely super interesting. And yeah, this was very diverse. I want to focus in on a couple of things there, though. So you've really said that like you've had a, a long career in cybersecurity, but you've also had... A career that involves a lot of business, like protecting key business operations. Can you tell us a little bit more about the protecting key business operations, things like you know technical operations and I suppose monitoring for that startup within Comcast? Yeah, absolutely. So you know the startup was basically the next generation of video products for Comcast, right? So what we had to figure out very quickly is, hey, look, as we are putting you know resources and assets in AWS, what are the kind of technologies that we can put in to monitor to detect? to be able to respond, and also, most importantly, be able to mitigate 
right? Because at the end of the day, you know, this is the video, right? So as I'm sure in any other part of the world, in the U.S., you know, video is paramount, right? You really need to make sure that it is reliable, that it's secure, right? So, you know, a lot of my focus was on kind of standing up the team, standing up the technology, uh, technical infrastructure to be able to do that. And what I found is it is very important to not sit in the outhouse, but to actually sit in the kitchen with the, you know, engineering folks, with the product leaders and say, hey, look, as you're building this, you know, how much do you want to scale? Right? What kind of data are you storing there? How do we secure the data? Right? So it kind of really gave me that end-to-end journey there. That's fab. And so again, like at Comcast scale, you're the largest telecommunications company in uh, the United States. So like the scale is different than I imagine pretty much any of our listeners will uh, will deal with. How did you approach building infrastructure to deal with some of those challenges at that scale? Absolutely. So I, I think the way we did this is basically we looked at, hey, as we start rolling things out, we are really not looking at one technology. We are looking at a variety of technologies that can integrate very well with each other, but also taking an automation first approach, right? So for instance, you know, we were building detection capabilities in the AWS cloud. So we said, hey, look, we can alert on things every, you know, five minutes, or we can kind of stagger it so that only when there are three checks in five minutes up to a 15-minute duration, and if something goes wrong in those checks, then we respond to it, right? So, so it, really, we said, when we are building things out at, at a small scale, think about when we are at millions of customers as opposed to hundreds, and what's going to be the noise level? How do we respond, right? So, so kind of really taking that approach, kind of almost looking at the future, you know, and then in designing back, engineering back to say, hey, let's take that. And we also said, look, we can't just keep adding people. You know, we start with like five folks, when we have scaled 4x, it can't be 20, right? So, so we really had to invest in those technologies and taking the time to do that as opposed to rushing the product out was really important. I love it. Yeah, like it's something that we, I think a lot of security teams face, but not everybody builds for the future. I want to focus on that though. So I was reading a little bit more and you, it was, you were talking a little bit about, you know, having 150,000 monitors on 40,000 virtual machines. But what lessons do you think security teams can learn from operating at that sort of scale? I think the biggest takeaway for me was around the signal-to-noise ratio. Okay. So when you have that kind of scale, you know, you're going to have the potential for a ton of noise in your system. And knowing that you can't, you know, look at everything, right? So number one, you have to be very selective about what really makes sense, right? And what are the things that, you know, very simply, hey, do I really want to pick up the phone and call Thomas on this CPU that is exceeding the threshold, right? Is that really applicable? Or when we have like hundreds of servers and all of them are exceeding their CPU thresholds, then, you know, I call them, right? So, so that's number one, right? So really being very selective about what we are looking at. Number two was really kind of leaning on the team, right? Knowing that we are an operations team, we are going to be facing a lot of challenges. So investing in them, giving them the right tools, right skills, but also helping them build relationships with other teams. Like operations, are, you know, the whole story about operations is that it's a team sport. You have to work with engineering teams. You have to work with DevOps teams, right? So, so having those relationships really helped us as well. And I suppose from operating on that side of the business, how can security be a better partner? So how can security, like oftentimes, certainly in my career, there can seem to be a little bit of a clash between the security team who want to do things what they believe is the safest way, whereas operations teams who want to keep the system up. But what's the best way for security teams to approach some of those operations teams in interacting with them? 
Yeah, I think that's a really good question, right? The way I look at it, you know, at the end of the day, the mission is the same, right? Is to make sure that the company thrives, right? The operations team is about availability. It's about scaling. It's about making sure that customers have service. The security team, yes, it's about protecting things. But if there's no business, there's nothing to protect. So I, I think having that shared mission and saying, hey, look, from an operational perspective, what do you need to succeed? Let's figure that out. And here's how you can go about doing it, right? So almost helping them design it, as opposed to coming after the fact and saying, you know, you guys all did this a long way and we need to retool everything, right? So, you know, as I said, sitting there at the beginning of the process and really giving them that guidance to design securely becomes super important. Yes, I think that's the, the big trend with shifting left as well and approaching it with a business, very much a, a business attitude. I remember very early on in my career, I was extremely frustrated when in particular company we were experiencing a lot of account takeovers and I could not understand why we didn't enforce two-factor authentication on every single account until I was told that, yeah, enforcing two-factor mm-hmm. authentication on every single account reduced in a 20% drop in like the completions of those transactions. And I was like, okay, then yeah, exactly that. The business does survive if we do it that way. So you do have to approach, you do have to approach it from a business point of view first. Right. And you know, one thing that becomes very important, Thomas, is that, you know, it's to your example, risk is not uniform, right? Yes, multi-factor authentication for privileged accounts really is important. And then probably you could make the argument for everybody, but not everybody needs hardware-based MFA. You know, you could probably do a SMS or authenticator-based MFA for most of the population, right? But maybe there's a smaller population. So, so really thinking about it and saying, hey, where does it make the most sense? And how does it, you know, it's also about return on investment. There's not an unlimited supply of funds, right? So you really have to take a look and see where's the biggest bang of buck I can get in terms of risk mitigation and risk management, right? And you're never going to reduce the risk completely. So I think that becomes really key. Speaking of the big bang for your for your book, there is a little bit of a tendency for security teams currently to dream big and go big or go home. So like, yeah, buy that fancy or flashy product and go on that implementation. Can you tell me a little bit about your approach to project management and when you're deciding you know, what to prioritize, what the security teams should be focusing on? Yeah, that's a you know, really interesting question, right? Because the way I look at it is I'm a big believer in outcomes. And instead of like bringing in something and doing the whole big bang and deploying it, I would rather start small. And I would, you know, in some cases, I would actually start with like two different products, which are trying to do the same thing, do almost like A and B kind of a test and see, hey, where am I getting the the more results? And the way I approach this is, I, you know, I have in the past, along with my team, worked with the vendors to say, hey, this is a two-way street. We will do a proof of concept with you. We will try it out. We will you know, give you feedback that because at our scale, right, or any, for that matter, any company can give very positive feedback back to the, to, you know, vendor to say, hey, how can you make the product better, right? So, so I always like to start small and then scale it and then kind of go from there as opposed to, you know, doing this massive thing and then maybe not having the outcomes we expected. Yeah, it's something we, like, as an automation platform, we basically explain that all the time that it should be start small, demonstrate value and iterate. If you go for the, not always, but if you go for the big bang, bang approach and you try to achieve absolutely everything, you're going to get like yeah, bogged down and you're not going to be, uh, you're going to bite off more than you can chew a lot of the time. And yeah, really appreciate you giving positive feedback to vendors and like, yeah, this, I suppose, making sure that it's a collaborative effort. Absolutely. I want to, I suppose, pivot a little bit more to your security experience in your security career, especially, I suppose, more recently when you've been in charge of that CSOC in, in Comcast. I suppose you've seen 
cybersecurity evolve? And I think you've probably seen the attacks evolve over the last couple of years, especially those facing uh, facing Comcast. How would you describe the state of security operations today? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest change to me has been the rate of acceleration. You know, Mm -hmm. how fast new technologies have been adopted. And having been in security and in operations for a while, I've really seen that become shorter and shorter, right? Where, you know, teams across the board, whether it's product teams, engineering teams, they really want to move faster, right? Whether it's a, you know, new cloud service, you know, the the biggest theme that I've been hearing about is no code or low code. So Mm -hmm. kind of really understanding from the security operations perspective, how can we stay close to engineering teams as they're accelerating and, and be able to kind of build either in-house or find you know, capabilities outside that will allow us to secure this new set of business classes that are getting deployed. Love it. And again, as a no-code automation platform, that's music to my ears. But how do you adopt the changing attacks of your adversaries? I know, again, that's part of the mission of the CSOC. Is that agility super important or how have you approached it? I think the biggest example that I comes to my mind here is, you know, the movie Minority Report where you're trying okay. to prevent crimes before they happen, right? So a lot of it comes down to better intelligence, better detection, better threat hunting, right? Having those capabilities to say, hey, you know, if you look at the traditional cycle of how an actor gets in, right? They do recon. They are able to figure out a way to install the malware or ransomware in your, in your environment. They're able to kind of set up the communications back to the command and control. Really understanding before, you know, they really get to your network, are able to, you know, make that intrusion. Like, catch them at the recon ability, find the indicators of compromise, look for them in your network, right? So, so being ahead of the curve so that we are able to block them in the tracks. And even if you are not, even if they get in, we are able to catch them really quickly and exit them for our system. Okay. I think easier said than done in many circumstances, unfortunately. There's a phrase that I I find myself saying very often, which is that there's two types of companies in the world, those that have been compromised and those that think they haven't been compromised. You're bound to have seen like so many attacks at this point. Do you think security needs to move far more towards an operational model when dealing with these incidents so that, you know, you're saying catch them once they've gotten in? How do you approach, I suppose, that state of incidents happening all the time when you're being attacked all the time? You just have to get used to the reality that it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, right? Yeah. So as I mentioned briefly in the beginning, right, it's all about risk. So being able to say, hey, look, there are going to be a lot of these events. Let's have a very clear, well-defined, but also, you know, pre-exceed criteria among the business to say, look, these kind of incidents are going to be, uh, for instance, in the past, I've seen use SEP3, SEP4, SEP1, right? Those kind of criteria. So these are going to be set poles or the most set threes. But if there is something even more significant where we are talking about X number of records being compromised, right? So, so that's number one. Having that objective criteria that, you know, folks are on board with and we are able to use. You know, number two is really having the ability to understand the impact very quickly and be able to say, you know, and, and that, you know, to your point, doesn't come overnight, right? You really need to have the same, you need to have the visibility to say, okay, we saw this threat actor get in here, are we able to quickly retrace the steps? Are we able to figure out if they did any lateral movement, right? So that whole triage capability becomes super important when we are able to kind of handle that volume of incidents that are constantly happening. Okay, so the first thing is, I suppose, yeah, like having that acceptance of risk that these things are inevitable. And the second part is that 
once these things happen, you have to be able to triage as quickly as possible to understand the impact of those. How do you build up that muscle memory? How do you ensure that your teams are comfortable for like when a like I don't know, a solar winds happen, as you kind of mentioned earlier, that they're like, I know how to do this. I'm I'm familiar with this process. Yeah, I think, you know, the best way we are able to train is to get our folks, you know, and then again, we are 24 by 7 sharp. We are in multiple locations. So getting our teams the exercise, the ability to actually work on some of these incidents, right? A lot of teams, you know, deal with what I refer to as most valuable player or MVP syndrome, right? Where they may have two or three, you know, SARC engineers who are like, oh, these folks are the ones that are going to go on every incident. So you do two things when you do that. You do not, you know, empower the rest of your team. They don't build their muscles. And number one, those two folks are going to burn out and leave, right? As simple as that. So I think it's really important to distribute that work and make sure that everybody is getting the opportunity, but also learning from each of these. Like we are big on doing postmortems. So as incidents happen, even if it is, you know, we get kudos and things went well, we are really going to debrief on that and say, hey, what could we have done better? Yeah, I think that's super important. I hadn't heard of MVP syndrome, but it's definitely something that uh, I'm going to be sharing with some others. My my big, uh, the phrase I usually use is that like Instagram influencer of security who talks about all these incredible incidents that they've like dealt with or how they dealt with these, you know, or how they've implemented this incredible detection system or playbook. But oftentimes it's not quite as perfect behind the scenes. I right. do think when, when doing postmortems, it's super important to obviously learn from your mistakes, but security don't get that many wins. And sometimes champion, like, hey, we actually did really well in this yeah. circumstance is... Yeah, it's vital. You touch on something there, though. You said that, like, oftentimes these MVPs can get burnt out. And it's not even the MVPs can get burnt out. The entire security team, when they're dealing with this, like, overload of alerts and, yeah, like, the number of false positives, that they can struggle. And, like, mental health is definitely, and this is Mental Health Awareness Month, mental health is something that, yeah, security teams are affected with, are affected by, and myself included. What are you doing at Comcast to address some of these concerns with your team? Yeah, I think two things for us. I am a proponent of servant leadership, where I look at my job as allowing my team to succeed. I can only succeed when my team succeeds, right? So I approach my leadership as being based on empathy and saying, hey, look, let's really care about the team. Let's really think about what they're going through. What are the things that we can, the flexibility or the accommodations that we can give them so that they can still operate, right? A classic example is, you know, when the whole COVID thing hit. And it was difficult, right? Because, you know, people were working from home and it was a new kind of a paradigm, right? So we really took the time to focus on giving people the time they needed, making sure that they have the support, having more check-ins, more ability for folks to bring up concerns and issues. That became really important, right? So that's number one. Having a leadership model that's based on empathy, based on caring for your team and really saying that, hey, look, your success is most important for us to move forward. That's number one. Number two is, look, you know, operations is a tough job. I think we have to admit that. You know, it's easy for me and you say, hey, look, security operations is so important, but people are going to, you know, burn out. People are going to have issues, right? And, and the way you have to look at it is allow people to say, look, you know, I care about your success, right? If you want to, you know, grow in your career, if you want to take a maybe a, more engineering-focused team, I will sponsor you. I will give you that support you need, right? And it's easy for me to say because, you know, I've been working mostly in large companies, you know. But I think going forward, it is really important to allow people that flexibility to, to move around, to explore the opportunity, even within operation. If you have been focused on, you know, Windows, 
you know, vulnerabilities and kind of looking at some of the incidents around Windows, maybe we'll kind of onboard you and, you know, let you kind of look at AWS, right? So you're building a new skill, you're going to new challenges, you know, your, your intellectual curiosity is constantly in high gear, right? So those things really help to kind of break some of that burnout that folks can experience. Absolutely. And I think that like a lot of, not all of it, but a lot of the burnout is that, yeah, you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. But yeah, breaking up that monotony and making sure that people are growing, people are learning. There's enough cybersecurity jobs out there that people, if they're not, if you're not treating them right, they will, uh, they will, yeah, just churn from the organization and, and move on. So yeah, it's great to hear that you're, yeah, treating people with a huge amount of empathy. Again, like very similar lines. One of the major things that's leading to that burnout as well is like the manual work that people are spending their time on. And it could be analyzing alerts, it could be enriching alerts, it could be, yeah, contacting users. What are some of the things that you're doing to, I suppose, reduce the amount of time spent on manual tasks to enable people to spend more time focusing on, you know, AWS security or Microsoft security or or any other aspect that's, you know, more fulfilling, I suppose? Absolutely. So I think the two approaches that has really worked for me, first is, you know, looking at operations and saying that, hey, it's a misnomer, right? When we say we are security operations, it's not just operations. There's a big component of engineering. So really allowing people to say, hey, look, you know, maybe one day a week, let's have a certain number of folks focus on how are we building solutions that will help us, you know, get better at some of the, you know, response activities that we have, some of the incidents that we are looking at, right? And so really decomposing that, you know, whole end-to-end flow and saying, what are the automations that we can put in? You know, one one classic example is, you know, the auto-ticketing, right? In the past, we had a ton of incidents where people had to kind of look at emails, create an incident in our XOR product, and, and then kind of move from there, right? So I, I think that has been something that we looked at and said, hey, we really have to get out of that. We can't have this manual, you know, serial chair activity going on, right? So, so using engineering to kind of dive on that becomes really important. And number two, you know, as I mentioned briefly, I think really analyzing past incidents and saying any major incident that happened in a month, how can we remove the manual process from the system? Because, you know, that way we are looking at the time to mitigate, really have to figure out how we can reduce that. And then on my roles, that has been a big focus to really look at the time to mediate and, and to bring it down. And the only way you can do that is by putting in automation in terms of how we are opening instance, in terms of how we are triaging, mitigating all of those pieces. Yeah, absolutely true. And I think that looking at your incidents is, uh, is definitely the one, yeah, one of the best approaches to figuring out what you should be automating next. I know from our conversations that you're, yeah, you're moving on. You're moving on from Comcast in the near future. And I know you've been coy about where you're going. So I'm looking forward to looking forward to hearing more in the in the future. But can I ask, when you're joining a security team or when you're looking at, I suppose, security teams to join, what do you look for? How do you decide where to where to go next? Yeah, I think for me, you know, as I make this transition and also in my previous transitions, right? I look for passion. And not just within the security team, but also the overall business. Are people in this really excited about what they're doing? Do they want to grow? Do they feel that they're doing something that's like going to be revolution, right? And then, you know, yes, it's not easy. You're not always going to find that. But you really have to look at the drive and see, you know, that people care, right? Because that caring and that passion really translates into everything that you do. And without that, you're just another, you know, clog in the wheel, 
Yeah. So like, I suppose when you're approaching this job and you will be in that, I think in that CISO position where you're joining, uh, hopefully a fast growing technology startup, if everything is, uh, if everything goes to plan, they'll, they will be fast growing. What advice, I suppose, are you giving your future self or what advice would you give to others who are joining or leading security teams at fast growing tech companies? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that you have to look for is, Hey, you're going to join this new team. Do they understand that without security, the business really can't move forward, right? So, so my interviews and all, all of my questions and everything, all the interactions that I've had have been around. Do they does the team understand how important security is? And can I tell the story to them? Can I tell them? Can I explain to them, you know, how to take security into everything, how to make sure that we are able to use security as an asset as opposed to something that you slap on, you know, after the fact. So kind of really taking that approach uh, working with the team, you know, to understand what's the philosophy around that. And the fact that, you know, it's a startup and they're already bringing in a CISO gave me confidence that, hey, look, they care about security and they're looking at security as a strategic imperative as opposed to just a regulatory or a compliance check. Yeah, it's super important to have that view. And I think if you're joining a startup that is, yeah, focusing early on on bringing a CISO, that's definitely a really good sign for the for just how important and just how critical security is to that organization. Well, what are your thoughts on, I suppose, reporting lines for CISOs? Where do you think they have the most impact? And how do you think they should be approaching, like, who you'd like to ideally be reporting to? Yeah, you know, I've seen everything work, right? At the end of the day, the way I look at these things is not necessarily where the CISO reports into, but do they have that executive level seat, right? Whether it is being able to talk to the board, you know, on a regular basis, whether it's having a direct line to the CEO, even if they're not reporting to the CEO. So I'm not very descriptive about where the CEO needs to sit. And, you know, different organizations are different, right? In many cases, you know, technology organizations report up into the CFO. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if the CISO really cares about security, they viewed as a strategic, you know, part of the business. I don't think it is such a big deal for the CISO to be somewhere else in the organization, but having that direct line and that seat at the table with the board as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a it is a great question. And it does tell tell us, you know, how important it is to the organization. But at the same time, it depends entirely on the organization. Like a B2B SaaS company or a like a blockchain company or a manufacturing company, they should be very, very separate, uh, very right. separate functions, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. When you're thinking you've seen cybersecurity evolve over the last 20 years, 20 plus years in your career, five years from now, what do you think security operations teams are going to look like? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, right? And, and I, you know, sometimes to look forward, you actually have to look back, right? And I really think of, you know, the way DevOps has kind of evolved over the years, where, yes, you had engineering teams and you had operations teams, but I think kind of coming together and really saying that has that capability. I look at security ops as kind of taking that similar approach, where obviously you have DevSecOps now, right? Where the operations team really builds that engineering muscle and is going to other teams and saying, hey, look, to prevent events from happening, to prevent major disasters, these are the things that you want to do, right? You really want to kind of almost work towards getting security ops out of a job and saying that, you know, that's the way, that, that's the approach that we take, right? So that to me is probably the biggest transformation, right? And it does two things. One, it you know, allows your team to not just be in operations, but also build those engineering muscles. But it also kind of breaks some of the boundaries between security operations and the other teams 
that might be working in security or might be working on other parts of the business that are critical to security, right? So I, I think really being able to integrate more closely with the business is key for security operations in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, the idea of automating them out of a job, but it's usually we try to say like automating them into a better job. I don't think there's going to be anybody that, you know, automates a process or uh, uh, and says, uh, you know what? Well, that's it. My job is, uh, my job is done. I think it's, there's still, you're never secure. You're only, you're only securing. So when you're thinking about your first couple of months then in this, in this new role, what are your, like, I don't want to, you know, ask an interview question here, but what are your first plans? What are you saying? Here's what I have to do in my first, you know, six months to have an impact. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is just understanding the business, right? Yeah. Understanding what the business is, giving some high-level background, but not being prescriptive because it's too early on, right? There are some things that obviously best practices in terms of MFA, in terms of endpoint security, right? So I'm going to push for those. But other than that, I'm going to let the business play out, be there, you know, provide the guidance needed. And as the business evolves, be ready to deploy the security framework. That is so important. I really like it. It's kind of come full circle from from the very first question that it's all about understanding the business and making sure that security is the best partner to the business. That's how security is going to function. That's how the business is going, going to continue operating. Matt, I've really enjoyed this conversation, but unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover today. Before we wrap up, if people want to follow your journey, learn a little bit more about your your next steps, where should they go? I think the easiest place is LinkedIn. So, you know, the LinkedIn URL with my name, Madhav Gopal, one word, I think is the best place. And feel free to send me a message. I'm happy to, you know, chat and, and provide additional uh, thoughts as needed. Absolutely fab. Yeah, well, I'm, I'll certainly be hitting up and like looking for uh, looking for some more advice. I don't think there's many people that have seen the scale that you've operated at. And I'm, yeah, looking forward to hearing more about, about your journey. Thank you so much for taking the time again. We're looking forward to having you on again in the future. Great, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Future of Security Operations podcast by Tynes. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast platform. For additional episodes, visit tynes.com slash podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about how Tynes Automation Platform can transform your security operations team, visit tynes.com. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next episode.